are in a series called Soul Food, and I know the younger ones are with us today, and uh, I think this is going to be a very appropriate talk today as we talk about truth-telling. You see, there are things that Christians have been doing, not just for the last few years, but for the last few thousand years. Christian practices that feed us, that are good for us, that nourish us, and that people have always identified that's what it means to be a Christian. And these different practices, praying, um, serving people, acts of kindness, forgiveness. Today, what I'm going to talk about, and it's going to last for the next three weeks, what I'm going to talk about is telling the truth. How many of you small children have ever heard about George Washington and the famous, I cannot tell a lie? Uh, Was that George Washington? (laughs) I'm ad-libbing here. What was the story? Something about an apple tree or something like that? Cherry tree? He cut down a cherry tree in his father's orchard, and then... Ah, so just for the sake of the recording, I'll repeat what Donnie um, just educated me. Uh, George Washington cut down his father's cherry tree, and he said, I cannot tell a lie. So he admitted, and he told the truth. That's kind of what we're talking about. That's a little anecdote about truth-telling. But you, you see, being... Or telling the truth is a Christian practice that's gone back all the way to the very beginning. It's so important, and today I'd like to not just teach the children, but grown-ups about what it means to tell the truth. Confession, accountability, and it's a process. It's hard. I know if I were to corner you and say, tell me the truth, and you know, if I were to speak to my own children, it must be scary. Well, I don't want to tell the truth at first. I'm scared. What will happen? And there's a process, and if you look in your notes, you see these four-step process, these four processes that we go through. The first is where we find ourselves um, hurting. The first step is when hiding becomes hurting. And we've hid or we've lied or we haven't told the truth, and it's starting to hurt us when hiding becomes hurting. And the second step after that is when we start coming out of the dark, And we decide, I think I have to tell the truth because this hurts more than it helps. This hurts more than it helps. Once we feel like this is hurting more than helping, we come out of the dark to tell the truth. But we can't just come out of the dark. The third step is how do we stay out of the dark? How do we not go back into the dark? And fourth and last is when we find that from a lifestyle of continually telling the truth and continually staying away from the dark, we find that we've gone from hiding to healing. From hiding to healing. Now, those four steps, I'm only going to be able to talk about the first two today. And we'll finish all of these in the next two or three weeks But today I'm going to start with when hiding becomes hurting, that first stage that we find ourselves in, when hiding actually hurts. Um, I used to love playing hide-and-go-seek when I was little. I think we all did. There's something thrilling, like you feel this excitement in your chest when you found the perfect hiding spot, and you know that they can't find you, and you hear the the little voice saying, ready or not, here I come, and you're like, ah, yeah, and you're hiding, and then you're hiding and you're hiding, and then you fall asleep. Or you realize this is not helping. I've hidden myself too well. I've hidden myself too well. Uh, 
If you can pull up Genesis chapter 4, verse 7. Let's read this verse together. And I'm going to ask children if you can read it out loud with me. Genesis chapter 4, verse 7 says, Sin is crouching at the door, and its desire is for you, but you must master it. Have you ever had a cat or a dog or something that kind of crouches at the door waiting for you? And the minute you open the door, it jumps up and pounces on you. Well, what the Bible says here is that sin, like an animal, is waiting at your door. It waits to pounce on you and to grab you, its desires for you, but you must master it. You must master the sin. Now, does anybody know who God is talking to here? God is talking to Cain. Cain was the son of the first mother and father. Who would that be? The first man and woman was Adam and Eve. Very good. So Adam and Eve were the first man and woman, and we know that they made a mistake. They sinned. But then after them, they had children. And what we're watching here to see, it's almost like a movie. You're watching to see if the children of the first mother and father, the first men and women, will the children do better than the parents? The second generation, the question always is, will you do better than mom and dad? Mom and dad were not perfect. Mom and dad made so many mistakes. Will you do better? And we watch and we hold our breath to see, will Cain and Abel do better than Adam and Eve, their ever so imperfect parents? Will they do better? But this message is not just for children or the second generation. It's also for those of us that are perhaps old, (laughs) to put it frankly. We're not the children anymore. We are the Adam and the Eve generation. And maybe because of our mistakes, we're hiding in the garden. The irony that I find, and I'll speak to grown-ups here just a little bit, the irony I find is that sometimes church is the best hiding place You know, when you found that perfect hiding place, nobody can find me. And sadly, sometimes church becomes the one place where you can hide from God. It's easy to come to church and not tell the truth. It's easy to come to church and not have to confess and not have to be confronted. There's a story about the prime minister of England, a prime minister is kind of like the president of the United States. Lord Melbourne was prime minister in the 1800s, and he once came to church and listened to a sermon. And after the sermon was over, he was not happy. And he said, things have come to a pretty pass when religion is allowed to invade the private life. What he was saying was that religion should not have to make us tell the truth. It should not invade my personal and private space. The church should just be a place where I can come and go. Why does the preacher have to talk to me about telling the truth and invade my private life? The church is too easy to hide. Constantly, I'm looking for ways where we can break through from just Sunday formalities to deeper depths of honesty and truth-telling. I'll tell another story, okay? 
this story. Listen carefully, kids, because you might identify with this. Hopefully not. There once was a young man, and the young man was pretty good with his hands. As he was growing up, he learned that he liked to build things. He liked Legos. And as he would build these things, he would kind of set up and establish and build larger and larger things. He got good with his hands. And he began to work uh, in shop class. He was really good uh, uh, with, it, uh, with tools and things like that. And eventually, there was an elder in the church that took notice. And the elder said, you're pretty good, aren't you? And you've done well in school and in shop class. And the elder decided, I'd like to hire you and give you a job. I have a boat-making business. I make boats, and I'd like to um, bring you on as an apprentice. And so the young man began to work for the elder of the church building these boats. And as he learned how to build the boat, the young man said, you know what, I can do this myself. So one day he decided to build his own boat in his backyard. The thing that he needed, however, and the one missing ingredient that he couldn't just find, the wood, it was, it was more precious, were copper nails. Copper nails. And the reason he needed copper nails was because they did not rust in water. Copper nails do not rust in water. So what he did was he began to take a nail every day from work, a copper nail off of the copper nail pile, and just, you know, what's the big deal? I mean, the pile is this big, and he would just every day take one and just put it in his pocket and just use it. Well, over the course of a year, he had stolen about 300 nails. And he kept telling himself, it's not a big deal. There's thousands of nails here. No one will notice. And anyway, I don't get paid that well, he says. Maybe the boss should be paying me in nails anyway. But then one day, the young man heard a sermon in Sunday, on Sunday at church, about truth-telling. And when he heard the sermon about truth-telling, he began to feel those nails in his head. I don't mean literally in his head, but it was in his mind. It was in his thoughts. Because as the preacher was talking about tell the truth, tell the truth, he felt like the nails were bothering him. He kept thinking about those nails. And as he kept thinking about those nails, they began to rust in his conscience. That means his mind. And as those nails began to rust in his mind, it bothered him. And he didn't want, he said, it's not a big deal. They're just nails, but it bothered him. He felt like he wasn't telling the truth. He felt like he wasn't being totally honest. And like George Washington, he said, I cannot tell a lie. But how can I tell the truth? Because this is an elder of the church. If I tell him what I did, I'm going to be so ashamed. I'm going to be so ashamed. Shame is a very big problem. You know what shame is like? Especially in the church. Shame is a big problem. Shame is like a monster that lives in the darkness and that you feed it and it, you just kind of keep it in a cage and it likes, to, it likes to thrive in dark places. But the moment you open the cage and you get the light on it, shame dies. Once you choose to tell the truth, once you choose to tell the truth, shame should no longer exist. I know for some of us, even after we tell the truth, we still wrestle with shame. You should not wrestle with shame. If you've told the truth and you've been honest about it, shame should die. More on that next week, and I'm really going to dive into that subject of shame next week. And so he said, if I tell the truth, if I tell the truth, then I'm going to be ashamed at church But finally, the young man, he heard what the pastor said. If you tell the truth, shame will die. 
So the young man finally said, okay, I think I know what I have to do. I'm so scared, but I'm going to do it. And it's hard to tell the truth in church, but I'm going to do it. So the next Sunday, after the service, the young man came up and said, sir. He said, hey, how you doing? Nice to see you at church. And he said, I have something to tell you. I have to tell you the truth. For the last year, I've been stealing from you. And the elder of the church said, oh, what did you steal? And he said, I've been taking your copper nails. I've stolen about 300 at this point. And I want to apologize and I want to make it right. And I'm willing to, I'm willing to uh, pay back what I've taken. And so the elder of the church, he stood back and he said, well, okay, thank you for your honesty. Let me just think about this for a bit. Let me think about this. And so the elder went back and he spoke with the pastor and he said, well, so-and-so told me that he stole from me. What do you think I should do? And the pastor said, well, what do you think? First of all, I'm proud of that young man. I'm proud that he told me the truth. But at the same time, he needs to learn justice, consequences. He needs to learn that there are results. Should I make him pay back what he stole from me? And the pastor responded, you could do that. Or you could also teach him what Christ taught us. You could teach him grace and forgive him. Because it sounds like he's already learned his lesson. And so together, the pastor and the elder decided... And he went back, the elder went back, he went back to the young man, and he said, I know you've stolen from me, but you've done a, a difficult thing. You've told me the truth, and I respect that, and I don't want to meet that with punishment. And after that, he extended his arms, he hugged the young man, and he called him a brother. And that young man grew up to become me. I'm just kidding. <laughs> That young man grew up to become a wonderful leader of the church and to become a founder of his own business. And he was very successful. Do you know why? Because he learned how to tell the truth. He learned how to tell the truth. If you do not learn at your age to tell the truth now, you will struggle a lot more in the future with whatever you choose to do with your life. So, Listen carefully. I know that young people, you want to fidget, but remember, do you have something in your mind like a nail that's sticking in your head? Have you ever seen anybody with a nail sticking out of their head? Well, this young man had nails in his conscience, in his mind, because he felt bad. If you ever feel like you have copper nails rusting in your brain because you're like, I know I shouldn't have done that, what are you going to do? Children, big children, tell the truth. That's the second step. Come out of the dark. Come out of the dark because this is the fill in the blank. Listen to me. We are only as sick as our secrets. We're only as sick as our secrets. And the secrets we keep, the more we keep them, the level of our sickness, the level of that pain that we feel, it's like, it's, it's like having a, you know, a nail sticking out of your head. The level of pain we feel. We're only as sick as our secrets. 
So come out of the dark. Come out of the dark if you feel like you have those rusty nails sticking in your conscience. If you can pull up James chapter 5, verse 16, as we talk through this second part, second step, coming out of the dark. So, hiding. We started out where hiding has become hurting. Hiding hurts. It hurts us. We're as sick as our secrets. But we've decided to take a step of bravery and courage and to come out of the dark. Let's read James chapter 5, verse 16 together. Children included. Let's read all together now. Therefore... Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. It says to confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. There's the secret. I know, um, children, you don't like scary movies, and I don't like to talk about scary movies, but everybody knows what a zombie is right? How do you heal a zombie? Don't worry, I won't frighten you. How do you heal a zombie? You know, when we live lives that are not truthful, we become zombies. It's like when we continually, continually and live a deception and live a half-truth, our lives are not honest. We start going, (laughs) and we start becoming zombies, But in order to be healed, in order for the infection to be healed, what does James 5 say? Children, what does it say? How do you stop being a zombie? You confess your sins. If you tell the truth, I did wrong, and then all of a sudden your zombie arm comes back and you're human. And then it says more. What else do we do? Look, look at the text. What does it say? After you confess your sins. Pray for one another. So you say, I've got this problem. I'm turning into a zombie. Can you pray for me? And as the person prays for you, you become less zombified. Confess your sins and pray for one another, one another so that you may be what? Healed. Do you hear that? The path towards healing is not just Sunday church attendance, friends. The path towards healing is not just Sunday church attendance. Because like Lord Melbourne said before, there's lots of people that will come to church but hide and want to hide. And like I said, sometimes this might be the best hiding spot in the Garden of Eden, the church. I'm in the church. God can't find me here. What a tragedy. What a tragedy. If you want to come to church and you want to have the maximum experience, the maximum effectiveness, right? Have you ever heard a doctor tell you, in order to receive the full benefits of this treatment, you can't just go see the doctor. You can't just come to church. What is required? Truth-telling. Honesty. Confession vulnerability. Without the above, I guarantee we will not receive the full benefits of church. It is only when we are fully known, when we let somebody really, really know us, when we let people really know, and I know that's hard, 
And I hope as I preach and as I pastor this church that I'm leading by example. The only way we'll get healed is if we get honest. And so I'm going to wrap up and land this plane now with a few life lessons. And I know that um, this is, sounds like a lecture. I tell my children, and I start telling them stuff, and one day, um, one of my children said to me, why are you always telling us all these life lessons? So I'm going to give you yet another life lesson. Four, actually. Are you ready? Here's life lesson number one, 1,248. The life lesson is telling the truth. Write this down, big kids, small kids. It's not about getting into trouble. You think that telling the truth is about getting into trouble. The more I tell the truth, it'll hurt me. No, telling the truth is not about getting into trouble. It's about getting better. Telling the truth is not about getting into trouble. It's about getting better. Because here's the thing. We think that if I keep the truth or withhold the truth... If I lie, it makes me feel better because it won't hurt. Why? If I tell the truth, what happens? You get in trouble. But actually, it's the opposite. Children, it's the opposite. Tell your mommy and your daddy that you did something wrong and see if you get in trouble. You might a little bit, but in the end, they will always tell you. I hope they will always tell you that you did the right thing and it was good. Telling the truth might be scary, but this is the second life lesson. Life lesson number 2,658. That life lesson is lying hurts me. And the more I do it, who does it hurt? Me. We think it helps me. You think that it helps because I'm not telling the truth and what happens is, therefore, I won't get in trouble. But I promise you, I promise you, listen to me, small ones, I promise me, I promise you, <laughs> the more you don't tell the truth, it will only hurt you more and more. I say this really not as your preacher, pastor, but really as somebody that cares. I don't want to see you grow up become zombies. I know Many people who are adult zombies, I don't mean that literally, but their years and years and years of lying has hurt them so much. It's hurt them so much that they, they suffer more than their parents ever wanted them to. I don't want you guys to suffer. If you tell the truth, you will suffer less. If you don't tell the truth and you live a life that's full of lying, you will bring more suffering onto yourself. I guarantee. I guarantee. I live by those words. We will bring more suffering onto ourselves. So the first life lesson was telling the truth is not about getting into trouble, but getting better. The second life lesson is it hurts who? Who does lying hurt? Okay. Me. The third life lesson the third life lesson is telling the truth, it will sting at first. It will hurt at first a little bit, but it will heal later. It's kind of like medicine. Do you like the taste of medicine? Oh, yucky. 
But you got to take it because you know that if you don't take it, you'll just get more and more sick. So, telling the truth, it stings at first. And I'm just telling you guys from experience, I'm just telling you from experience, at first when you tell the truth, it hurts a little bit, but it feels better later on. Whereas if you tell a lie, it feels good now, but it will hurt much more later on. So telling the truth at first, it stings, but later it will heal. But there's a fourth and a last thing. If you are listening to this entire sermon and you say, you know, Pastor, I'm, Pastor Wayne, I'm not convinced. I think telling the truth is, I'm, I think lying is better for me right now. So I think I'm just going to continue on in a lie. I'm not ready to tell the truth. This is the fourth life lesson. The truth always comes out. The truth will always come out. For big kids, grown-ups, the truth will always come out. The light of day, you know, even if you don't confess it or you don't tell the truth, there, you know, I've had 40 years under this sun. 40 years under this sun, and in those years, I've only come to believe this more and more and more. One way or another, the truth will come out. Our character will reveal itself. The world will know. Everyone will know somehow. Even if they don't know explicitly, the truth will come out. In that sense, God is a God of grace and forgiveness, but He is also a God of righteousness and justice. And if we say, I'm going to live a lie and God will forgive me, He'll forgive you, but you will suffer because you've chosen to live in untruth. God forgives, but the enjoyment of our life and the blessings of that forgiveness are contingent upon us being willing to tell the truth or our continued living of a lie. So, that concludes this first talk in this series about confession and accountability. It's hard stuff. But children, you understand now what it means to tell the truth, right? I hope so. Because in the next two weeks, for grown-ups, as we talk about this theme of confession it might be a little bit more challenging. So I hope a good foundation was laid for you today. I'd like to close with this reading from Psalm chapter 32. Psalm 32. And if you could close your eyes, and if, Frank, you could leave this psalm up for the duration of the response song. I'm going to read it once, but then after that, invite you to just meditate on these words, to read them, to respond. And as Bobby plays this next song, you have a yellow communication card. If you have any, any you know, feedback or things that you'd like to um, share with the church, actually, don't use this yellow communication card to confess it's not appropriate. That's not the way to do it. 
So, right, don't write your deepest, darkest secrets under, uh, you know, this little, my feedback box is, don't do that, but you can still, if you have anything that you'd like to communicate with the church, you can fill out that yellow card. And as the song is played, um, the offering bag will come around, you can deposit your tithe offering if you have, uh, together with that communication card. But let me go ahead right now and read Psalm 32. So listen. Listen to the words of Psalm 32. How blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. How blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. When I kept silent about my sin, my body wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was drained away as with the fever heat of summer. Selah. I acknowledged my sin to you, and my iniquity I did not hide. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin, Selah. Therefore, let everyone who is godly pray to you in a time when you may be found. Surely in a flood of great waters, they will not reach him. You are my hiding place. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with songs of deliverance. Selah. This has been a Woven Church podcast. Woven Church is a multi-ethnic missional church that meets in West Houston. We invite you to check us out on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. To find out more, visit us online at www.wovenchurch.org. That's www.wovenchurch.org.